Hello friends, Northeast State students, and bears everywhere. This is The Sound Barrier. That's right, Northeast State's official podcast. Coming at you today here from the Entertainment Technology Department studios on the Bluntville campus in the Technical Education Complex building. We're delighted to have Amira Sackett as our guest today. Amira has a hip-hop dancer, educator, activist. She is many, many things, and we are delighted to have her with us. I'm your co-host, Tom Wilson, along with my fellow co-host, Matt Poole. Amira, welcome to The Sound Barrier. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. Uh, could you start out by telling us a little bit about um, yourself and um, kind of your background? I am from Chicago. And I'm a dancer and choreographer within the styles of hip-hop. In particular, do a style called popping, which is from the West Coast, and also breaking, so kind of the original styles of hip-hop dance. I'm also a Muslim American, and I uh, observe the hijab, wear the hijab as part of uh, my faith. And my work centers around my Muslim American identity, and uh, what I, my goal as an artist is to really dispel a lot of misconceptions about Islam and Muslims, um, to bring about conversation between communities, to bring love and joy and peace into the world. Yeah, Excellent. Yeah, yeah. We all need more of that. Absolutely. I happened to watch her TEDx before the interview. I thought it was absolutely phenomenal, so very impressive. But I'm uh, honestly curious about your involvement with uh, Conscious Campus. Sure. So um, in 2018 and 2019, I was doing a lot of touring of the East Coast. And um, I I met Conscious Campus there. So um, Reese and her husband came to one of my shows, and they um, talked to me and then invited me to be part of Conscious Campus. Uh, And I was like, yeah, this is totally in alignment with what I do. And so that's what brought me here, which is really wonderful. So yeah, happy to be represented by them. And this is my first event that is through Conscious Campus. Awesome. Fantastic. Of course, they, they, you're here at Northeast State uh, to talk to students today through Conscious Campus. That's how you get arrived here today. Tell us a little bit about a project you created, I believe, called We're Muslim, Don't Panic. I love the title. Uh, of course, how did you go about creating that, and how did that develop? It was definitely a, a natural kind of evolution as an artist. And involved in hip-hop culture, of course, dancing, uh, encouraging especially girls to pursue dance in the original dance forms of like breaking and popping and stuff. So I was always involved with uh, women and encouraging uh, women to be actively part of hip hop. And at that point in time, it was like 2011, I started to examine what was going on in the world and a lot of the... um, kind of hate speech directed towards Muslims and also the lack of representation of Muslim women talking about their own experiences and um, called We're Muslim, Don't Panic. And then it turned into kind of a group as well. And I just wanted to kind of open those discussions um, 
kind of living in in two worlds, I realized I understood like Islam and being a Muslim woman and being an American immersed in hip hop culture and growing up here, I also understand American culture. I have friends from all different backgrounds. And so I realized that I'm kind of someone who could build a bridge between communities that don't always have these kind of difficult conversations or just avoid those conversations. And um, my medium was dance that takes this image of, of a Muslim woman in the whole black abaya and uh, face covering, the niqab, which I don't wear regularly, but I don't actually wear it at all. But I put it on for that piece because I wanted to take that image and flip it and make it like beautiful and make it something that looked powerful um, and instead of oppressive, instead of what the media was kind of um, filling the airwaves with. And so that was kind of the initial idea was just to uh, switch up, you know, the, the image of what the general population had about Muslims. And so I think that was why I created it. And I didn't expect the response. Um, and I didn't even know, like, how it would really impact my life. It was kind of one project I was going to do in the midst of many projects that I was doing in the community. But it really took off, and there really seemed to be a need for it. And not only did, you know, we have great conversations with people of other faiths, but Muslim women also really appreciated the representation. And so that, like, really warmed my heart. And it brought together a lot of people, and it still is. So thankful for that. Certainly. Yeah. So where was it first performed? Performed in Minneapolis, Minneapolis. at a place called Intermedia Arts. And I had created um, a show called The Joint Project, where I was encouraging um, hip-hop artists, dancers, to collaborate with someone outside their genre. And so the whole show was based on these experimental collaborations. And I experimented by collaborating with a filmmaker and also two other dancers who at the time were were just 13 years old, and they were also Muslim and American. And um, I created that piece for that show. That was the first time it was performed. Fantastic. Now, I, I'm obviously you're involved in many projects, and now be it um, We're Muslim, Don't Panic, or any other other projects you've pursued in, in your, uh, your life and your artistic endeavors, how do you kind of go about... Um, communicating with people um, regardless of their faith? How do you kind of go about setting in motion the communication and developing what you want to see um, come together as a, as a piece of performance art? I think that once people start to get to know my personality, they feel really at ease. And I feel like we connect through art, we connect through music, we connect through dance. And it makes it easier to have more difficult conversations. I do feel like in the U.S., because we have, you know, we have this uh, wonderful separation of church and state, right? That's like we have freedom of religion in this country. And so sometimes people, like, feel very awkward talking about it, like, you know, because it belongs, like, in a personal life, right? Mm -hmm. which, is, which is great. Like, I appreciate that. But when, you know, a certain group is being talked about continually or their images are continually um, being shown 
but a lot of people don't understand that faith. You know, certain aspects of that group of people and they're being targeted, then I think that discussion really needs to happen. And I think that the beautiful thing about being a bridge between people is, I think that's kind of a natural thing that I have. Like, I think it's, I think uh, like I'm easy to talk to you about those things. I don't get offended really at all. Like, because I would rather people ask a question and get the right answer and like we can discuss it. And also, I think it's really beautiful because I think people who are people of faith or even spiritually minded people common, then we have uh, differences. And that's like really what I like to focus on because it's actually we're kind of all like cousins, um, especially the three, you know, Abrahamic faith traditions, Judaism, uh, Islam, and Christianity. We're all brothers and sisters. And so I think once we start talking about some of that stuff, people are surprised and to, to understand the similarities. And it just makes us like beautiful connection. So I've, I've segueing from that, I feel like art in general, there's a spiritual as well as an emotional aspect to it. It truly captures a room in no matter what way is expressed, especially dance. So I'm curious how for you, uh, how do you feel spiritually and emotionally? Oh my God, I love dancing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> dancing for me is a spiritual expression. And I am biased, but I do think dancers are on a different plane. Um like and artists as well. I think we see the world differently. Um, I think we experience the world differently. Um, I think that we open a window to to other people to see the world differently as well. And dance is a spiritual endeavor. I do feel that it's a connection to the divine. And that means whatever that is for you. Um, one of my really good friends, who is a beautiful performer, you just felt such power coming from her when she danced. And I asked her one day, I was like, Anika, what is your secret? Like, how, how are you this, like, amazing on stage? And she said to me, it's my ancestors. I'm dancing with my ancestors. And I was like, mind blown, you know? So I was like, whoa, that's the deepest response I <laughs> was not expecting. Yes. But I thought, wow, man, like the way that we, you know, feel about dance, it, it is like that. It's like all of your experiences coming out in an expression that's physical rather than, you know, talking about it. And, and all of the arts really are different ways of expressing soul and, um, you know, ideas. So, yeah, I'm grateful for dance in my life, and I do think dance is for everyone. I know some people are like, I have two left feet, and I'm like, <laughs> but you know what? Like, when you're alone in a room with your favorite song, you're dancing. That's right. Guaranteed. <laughs> <laughs> I may have to challenge you that. I think I've got probably the most two left feet you've ever met, so <laughs> I may have to challenge that notion. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> do you remember the first time you saw someone dancing or even as a child when you saw when you thought i want to do that this is something i want to pursue can you remember kind of those first early memories of of wanting to to perform yeah my mom will tell you that it was 
immediately when I was a baby because of my response to music. So my father played jazz guitar, and when I was a baby, he would play guitar, and I would be laying in my, I don't know, crib or whatever. <laughs> and my mom said I would just stretch out my arms and my legs and start shaking to the music. <laughs> and she was like, okay, this kid is different. <laughs> and uh, so I had a real response to music um, right away as a kid. But I think as far as I'm like trying to think back to the first dancers I saw, I was really in love with ballet when I was a, a little girl. I think the grace um, that those dancers had, I remember watching ballerinas like on TV and being like, wow. And then also watching breaking, like to me, like break dancing was like such a dangerous dance, you know, and it was just like captivating. And of course, Michael Jackson, I mean, doing the moonwalk, like, that was like so cool. And I was like, okay, how can I do this? So I think that there were so many different inspirations, but definitely as a child, like I noticed dancing and I imitated it early on. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. And you mentioned breaking. So in your in your TEDx, you know, you kind of define what the distinction between breaking and other um, forms of dance. Sure. Because most people know it as break dance, right? right. So, um, and breaking has become really, really popular. Again, it was popular in the early 80s when it developed with hip hop culture at that time. And it's really the original dance of hip hop. It started in the Bronx in the late 70s and um, flourished in, uh, it was in movies like Flashdance, it was in movies Breaking, Breaking 1 and 2, all these early wonderful movies that, that a lot of people have in their memories of seeing it for the first time. And then it really reemerged, I would say, early 2000s. It became more and more young people started really uh, picking up the dance. It never went away, but I think it, like, it, it came back, and now breaking is going to be in the Olympics. So, awesome. yeah, and now there's these huge battles all over the world, you know, where break dancers from all over the world go head to head and compete. And so, and there's a, a huge number of girls now participating and women that never were participating. Um, you know, back in the day. So it's really exciting to see the way that it's grown and the way that, like, a dance like that captivates, like, each generation. Absolutely. Well said. And through, throughout your career and, and dancing, what have been some of the, I guess, some of the, the toughest lessons you've learned through dance? Because it, it's a very physically, emotionally, spiritually demanding art form. What, what have been some of the... Um, well, maybe not the toughest, but some of the most challenging lessons that, that dancing has taught you over the years. Yeah, I think dance is like a metaphor for life, like fall down, get back up. I mean, mm. it is a physical pursuit, but it's also mentally challenging. A lot of times when you're working on a technique or a skill, um, you won't see progress for a long time. So you're, you're putting in all this effort and you feel like you've reached this plateau and you're not into the next level. And that requires a lot of patience and there's no way around it. Like you can't jump 
levels, you know, it's like a video game. Like <laughs> you have to like defeat the first level to get to the next level, you know? Exactly. So yes. it's it's like that. And so it develops this great like patience. And um I think for me there's been times where I you know how writers have writer's block? I'll have like dancer's block where I just feel like I'm not growing as a dancer, even as an artist. And it's a very frustrating time period to go through. And it can last like a couple months. It could even feel like a year of kind of like, ah, what am I doing? Where am I going next? Being an artist and being a dancer is waiting through those periods and kind of Reminding yourself that it does take time and then sometimes the next big thing is coming for you, but you have to be patient and keep working. Um, and I think that is a challenge. Like, And the way that translates into life is just like in everything we do, whether we're you know trying to get a promotion at a job or something like that, and we're like, oh, this is not working out. Why is this not working out? I want it so bad. It's like... We have to have that that patience through that time, you know, work hard towards our goals. And um, it's hard. It so, yeah, that's Certainly. a challenge. I mean, dancing has that. But there's many challenges. You know, there's also stage fright. There's once you enter a situation where also you're talking about sensitive subjects like I am, then you're also putting yourself under more scrutiny and more um, room for criticism. And you have to have really thick skin. So, yeah. But I think like hip-hop, like breaking, battling other dancers <laughs> and doing, you know, those kind of like competition things, like that kind of prepared me for the challenges that I face. Yeah, so... Um Going forward from that, so have you ever felt the need to censor yourself uh, whenever you're uh, performing? I don't know. I feel like once I start dancing, I can't really uh, censor myself. Gotcha. <laughs> it's coming out, you know. Okay. But definitely there are times where, um, you know, I have to look around and read a crowd, you know, or read what's going on. Um, you know, I have performed in uh, Muslim-majority countries. And, um, you know, as an American, even though I'm Muslim, I'm coming into a different culture, a different country, and I have to be cognizant of that and what's acceptable there, where the spaces are that the dance will be accepted. And so you have to navigate that, you know, and more so probably being Muslim who adheres to a level of modesty. I have to think about the clothing that I'm wearing when I'm dancing and things like that because I'm representing a lot. And, uh, you know, I'm pursuing my art form, but I still am practicing my faith and different aspects of my faith that require me to be cognizant of how I present myself. I've got a couple questions kind of pertaining to that. What do you find to be the biggest challenge in, in getting past prejudices and also the media portrayals that fuel those prejudices often about about Muslims, what's the biggest challenge you found in getting around those things for, for people to see you, to, to see Amira, not some title on a news report? I think the toughest thing is that humans judge each other based off of first appearances, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So yeah. I think that uh, especially wearing the hijab, and walking down the street, nobody's going to expect me to be able to 
bust out a backspin, you know? Right. <laughs> and um, I think that the cool thing is when people get to know me, then there's this, like, surprise element of, like, oh. But the, the truth of the matter is that with everyone we meet, we might think someone's really straight-laced and, and square, and then we find out that back in their younger days they were part of a punk band, whatever. Yeah. You know, I mean, like, we have to kind of fight those stereotypes we have about people and we all carry them like no matter what it is we all carry them but it is it is a challenge like I think I guess my my realization is we don't have to accept um all aspects of like you don't have to agree with Islam or like aspects of my faith but it's more about like being tolerant of differences and being at least able to have conversations of differences, you know, and I think that, um, you know, as a woman, too, we should have the right to kind of have agency over our own selves and how we present ourselves. So, you know, like, whether you choose not to wear the hijab or you choose to wear the hijab are two choices that represent your agency as a, as a woman um, going through society. So I'm just like kind of you know, facing challenges. I just think I like challenge. (laughs) (laughs) I must like it deep down because I feel like that's the place where we grow, you know. And I love to see people come in with one idea and left completely surprised by the the love and acceptance and um, open-mindedness of the people. I'm also challenged by my own... uh, ideas and conceptions that I have about certain situations. That's where we grow. I grow, and the people that I talk to grow, too. That couldn't be more correct. I mean, challenge is truly what fuels us to grow, and I think that's so well said. And the people that we speak with, interact with, and just the opportunities that we place ourselves in, you know, if you're just remaining stagnant, you're not truly becoming you know, your full potential. And I think that's so accurate. So very well said. And, you know, speaking of challenges, so you, you travel quite a bit. Um, so I'm kind of curious, like, what is maybe like your favorite parts of, tra- of uh, traveling so much, maybe your least favorite parts of it? My favorite part is meeting you guys. Yeah, um, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> literally love meeting people um, from all over the world. Like, what makes it hard is that sometimes I meet people and it's really difficult to feel like you have these amazing friends all over the place that you can't see regularly, right. you know? And um, and that would be like one on one level, but traveling can be tiring just in itself. I mean, just like the actual traveling. Right. But I guess like, you know, during the pandemic, I really stayed in Chicago. And so now... When I got on the plane to come here, I was just like really, really grateful for like traveling again. And I was like, oh my God, this is great. Right. I love waiting in this line for Starbucks. I love this. <laughs> oh, I love putting my, you know, <laughs> luggage in the overhead bin. Definitely. Once we've, uh, we're out of a situation we um, and then get back to it, we tend to appreciate it a little bit more for <laughs> totally. sure. <laughs> totally. I like that. Hey, you talked also a little about how, how, is you, how have you fit dancing and your artistic expression into your Muslim faith? Where does, it, where does that reside? 
Absolutely. So even within Islam, when we talk about Sufism, um, whirling dervishes, people kind of know about that, right? That's a that's a, a branch of Islam, right? So um, that's a devotional dance, if you will, that's connected to uh, spirituality within Islam. Um, for me, I think connecting my dance to my faith comes through the pieces that I've created where I take a philosophy uh, from my faith that I feel is really universal and I merge it with the dance. Um, currently, I've been using the poetry of Rumi and Rumi has been a really popular poet in the U.S. and um, and all over the world. If you haven't read him, you definitely should. And by weaving that into my music and into my inspiration for the dance, I feel that it naturally kind of is, is coming out. The expression of my spiritual side through my faith comes out in the dance with the topics that I explore and um, the crafting of like the poetry that I'm choosing to kind of infuse into my music that inspires that work. There's a lot of things you know, philosophies within Islam that I just, they're universal philosophies. Like, they're said in different ways, maybe through different faiths, but they're like, kind of the base is the same. And so I just like to explore those um, because I feel like they're healing in a lot of ways. Right. Yeah. And so you've really ultimately touched on it throughout um, today's podcast and everything, but I'm curious if there's maybe like an overarching goal or something that you'd like to accomplish whenever you do visits like this where you're here at Northeast State. Is there something that you or a multitude of goals that you hope to accomplish whenever you uh, do these visits? I'm always surprised by something. There'll be something at the end, one person I talk to or, you know, a discussion that's had in these situations where I'm like, whoa, that was the purpose of this trip, or, whoa, that really summed up this experience. So I think goal-wise, it's more like just to connect with the community, even if I'm here for a short time, like just get a sense of what the community is here in Tennessee, you right. know, what what's happening in the Tri-City area, you know, <laughs> like... What's the temperature here? What's happening, you know? <laughs> and sometimes it's just connecting through dance and talking about dance. Um, and sometimes it's meeting, uh, you know, community members and talking around more serious matters. But it's always just uh, a learning experience and a place to, I don't know, connect, you know, across lines. And so I guess that's my goal, I guess, connection. And um, that would be it. I mean, I just, like I said, it's always, I come in with an open mind, and then I'm always surprised by the end of it. Like I was surprised walking into this beautiful studio today. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wow, we're going to do a podcast? This is I great. Know, it's amazing. Uh, now, what have you learned in your life through your experiences, good, bad, travels, uh, what have you learned that you want young women around the world to know and understand? That's such a, <laughs> no, that's a big question. I would say that as a young woman who has dreams and aspirations, don't let anything stop you. And I would say, you know, you're going to navigate 
a lot of things through life, but keep striving towards your goals. Don't give up. And just remember all the women that came before you. Don't forget about your mother, your grandmother, your great-grandmother, and all of the women that you have never met that are part of your bloodline that brought you to this moment. And I think that, you know, pursuing what you love and whether that be, you know, science, math, arts, having a family, like, Whatever you want, like, I think put it in front of you as a goal and don't let other people tell you that you can. Well said. Uh, beautiful. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's a, a phenomenal, just universal message that all young women need to hear. Amir, we appreciate you being a part of the podcast, and thank you so much for giving us your wisdom. My, my mind, just in this last uh, 45 minutes or so, has definitely been expanded, so I just appreciate you taking the time out, being a part of the podcast, and we truly hope you enjoy your stay in East Tennessee overall. Thank you so much. Yes, absolutely. And listeners, we appreciate you taking the time out to be a part of The Sound Barrier. Again, you can check us out anywhere that podcasts are delivered. Uh, check us out at northeaststate.edu if you're interested in enrolling, including the one here with Entertainment Technology. So shout out to Will McMorrin and his crew with the Entertainment Technology Division. They are able to put this on for us and make this podcast what it is. So thank you for tuning in. We'll talk at you next time as we continue to break the barrier.